Welcome to The Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. Our second pandemic holiday season is fast approaching. Because supply chains and consumer behavior have changed fundamentally in the last 20 months, predicting the outcome of major retail events like holidays becoming increasingly difficult for retail marketers. Join me in discussion with Jason Ferlano, SVP of Commercial at MIQ, a programmatic media partner for marketers and agencies. Together, Jason and I unpack MIQ's latest study entitled The Pandemic Effect, What Holiday Shopping Will Look Like in 2021. We break down the study's major findings, talk about key takeaways for retailers and marketers as the holiday season approaches, stick around for our conversation about broader shifts in the marketing space, we cover the latest marketing innovations, breaking down the marketing silos, and more. We are seeing some nuances within the the Canadian market, uh, and there was a lot that got kind of uncovered, but I think, you know, to to base it down to three key learnings that were uncovered in the report. Uh, I think the first was, for me at least, Michael, the gap between online and offline is shrinking. Let's listen in now. Jason, welcome to the Voice of Retail podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm very well, Michael. Thank you for having me on the, uh, the podcast this morning. Well, it's my pleasure. We were talking off mic here in the wonderful eastern Canada, where the population is blooming and uh, it's a wonderful place to be, yeah? Halifax, Nova Scotia is uh, a tremendous time or place this time of year and uh, and definitely enjoying the food and weather uh, headed into the fall season. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, listen, thanks for for joining me. You've got uh, a great background. Um, The study you and your shop put out really interesting stuff. And uh, let's just jump right in. First of all, tell us about who you are, your background and your role at MIQ. Well, as we've alluded to, my name is Jason Ferlano. I'm the SVP of commercial uh, at MIQ here in Canada, which means I oversee our key relationships with external partners as well as the local marketing department. Now, prior to to joining MIQ, I led programmatic sales at a little outfit that you may have heard of, uh, Yahoo, which was then acquired by Verizon and has since in the last couple uh, weeks become Yahoo again. Uh, and made that move about five years ago uh, when I started to see the trend in the uh, in the digital media space, moving from transactional digital executions to something a little bit more led with like insights uh, with regards to media activation. Mm-hmm. And that's really our, our focus at MIQ, Michael. Now, you said a million dollar word there, programmatic. So I'm familiar with it, uh, but my audience is made up of a mix of folks, uh, some who may not be steeped in the world of, of what the heck that means so in in 30 seconds or less <laughs> a couple of minutes tell me what programmatic is i i'm going to aim for the 30 seconds or less uh, <laughs> road on this one programmatic media is the auction based process of placing a digital advertisement in front of a particular consumer so everything that you're buying or seeing online with regards to advertisements mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. there in a real-time bidding process um, and we place those ads for our advertising partners. So we're talking display ads, and what happens is there's a you know this there's we're talking in the millions of ads being served. So basically, as I understand it, programmatic kind of says who is that person that I'm serving an ad to, and what's the best ad to serve them at the best time? And it's all done by machines, right? Like it's you, a lot of it's a lot of programming because there's just literally millions of these things done, right? Yeah, you've got it. There's a lot mm. that goes into that uh, to the algorithm that decides. Right. Um, what ad needs to go in front of what user, um, yeah. whether it is their browsing behaviors, content that they had been looking at historically, interests, um, you know, all the way down to the, the postal code in which they live. Uh, all mm. of that is kind of taken into account before yeah. that ad is placed in front of a particular person. 
And this bidding process always fascinated me because it just it basically what to pay when. So it's anyways, not exactly the topic of our discussion today, but I wanted to make sure everybody had some kind of framework for programmatic. And if you want to if you want to dive in, I'm sure you can connect with you and you guys can spend a couple hours explaining all that algorithm fun stuff. (laughs) Right on. But anyway, it works. It's pretty it's pretty revolutionary, right? I mean, in the past five years, it's pretty much revolutionized what you do for a living kind of thing, right? The, the advertising space, it's kind of crazy, Michael. Like, mm. you know, uh, what, what's happened, especially like we say last five years, uh, I'll say last 18 months. Wow, um, wow. The innovation that's been required uh, for, you know, uh, what was historically considered like traditional media channels yep. to be moved into the programmatic space has just been mm. really expedited uh, as a result of the pandemic. And now we're seeing, mm. you know, like we just talked about, like digital assets, those banners or videos that we were talking about. Yeah. But now you transact um, audio ads. So historically, where it was just placed through terrestrial radio or out of home ads, now in the digital out of home space, even TV ads moving from mm. linear uh, television into the connected TV space are all really happening at like kind of warp speed and are going to continue to progress pretty drastically over the uh, the next couple of years. No, it's interesting. I think we could do a whole podcast on the acceleration of different things, e-commerce, and and just the so many people changing their. Habits, but we're actually going to touch on a bit of that uh, in your report. Now, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, tell us about uh, MIQ. Uh, again, anybody who's a, a retail marketer would would know of you and, and know what you do. But give us a, a sense of uh, who MIQ is, scope, scale, and all that great stuff. Okay, I'll give you a quick synopsis, and I'll do a little bit of the scope and scale, and then I'll, I'll finish it off. The easiest way for me to ever tell someone what we do, Michael, is by giving a bit of an example, and I'll give one mm-hmm. in the Correct. retail space in particular. Uh, so MIQ is a digital media partner. We specialize in providing insights, analytics, and solutions for marketers. Those solutions are really customized based on the particular client's core business objectives or challenges, which in the case of most retailers we know, Michael, is converting sales or raising awareness through digital advertising. Yeah, We're a lot less focused on media KPIs or those key performance indicators of click-through rates and completion rates. Those are kind of table stakes. We're a lot more focused on like the tangible outputs that we apply to everything that we do. Simply put, everything that we do as a business helps our partners increase their um, their businesses or their scale and helps them sell more things if I can baseline it down to, to one thing. Um, and then scope and scale. Uh, here in Canada, we've got offices here in lovely Halifax, where I am today. Uh, we're HQ'd out of Toronto, but we've also got representation in Toronto, uh, sorry, Vancouver and Montreal. And then globally, you know, London, L.A., Sydney, New York, mm. all, all the big places you'd expect us to be. And, and where's head office? Where's, where's the kind of, where did it all start? It all started with uh, two guys and a credit card in London, England. Um, and it, re- it remains there. Uh, our co-founders are, are truly spectacular uh, individuals mm. and very much still involved in the business. You know, I, I speak to them quite regularly, to be honest with you. And it, it still definitely feels like a startup, even though, there's uh, about 800 of us globally, wow, uh, 100 wow. of which almost are, are sat here in Canada. Wow, wow, big shop. Yeah. All right, so speaking of big shop, you guys have just published a very timely study, The Pandemic Effect, What Holiday Shopping Will Look Like in 2021. Uh, let's talk about that study. First of all, give us a sense of, of its scope, and, and to use scope twice in the same interview, but um, <laughs> you know what, what, what was the objective of the study and what does it cover, and then we'll kind of start peeling back a few layers on, on what sure. you found out. Let's start like a generic overview because the title does do a pretty good job of, of summing <laughs> it up. But obviously, the pandemic and lockdowns have altered, you know, 
several aspects of, of people's lives. But with Canadians spending a lot more time at home, consequently and unsurprisingly, there's been a massive uptick in online shopping. But there's been a lot of other shifts in spending mm-hmm. habits, and um, the study also delves a lot into that. We're aiming to help provide a retail and CPG marketers a better understanding of Canadian shopping habits as we're heading into this crazy season where we're talking about shortages and mm. logistical challenges of getting products in front of people. But the insights that we've highlighted in the in the study, Michael, really aren't just for the planning, activation, and measurement of the holiday rush season. They're, they're truthfully meant to help act as a bit of a, a map or a guide uh, towards the, the future of the retail space in particular. And it's a great study. I'm just going, kind of paging through, and I've been paging through it for, for a couple of days. What, uh, what are the kind of key observations that, uh, that jumped out at you? By the way, we should tell the listeners that there's Canadian data in here too, which is not always the case. So it's a really uh, it's a great perspective. That's, that's great to see a global company also including Canadian data. So good for you guys. It was it was so important to make sure that we got a Canadian lens on on this, and you know it, it's great because with a uh, a sample size that was was large enough, we were able to find like statistically relevant information for marketers to to understand. You know some of the things that are happening globally are definitely seeing those trends here locally in Canada, mm-hmm. or alternatively, we are seeing some nuances within the the Canadian market, and, and there was a lot that got kind of uncovered. But I think you know to base it down to three key learnings that were uncovered in the report. Uh, I think the first was, for me at least, Michael, the gap between online and offline is shrinking and why that divide is now closer than ever before. We really kind of like hammer that one home and we just talked about the fact when we were talking about programmatic, Hmm. everything is now becoming biddable and as a result of that, that gap is closing. Hmm. Uh, The second for, for me was how the holiday shopping timeline is shifting and what that means for media activation and campaigns. Hmm. And then the last piece was to highlight to retail marketers the, the need to, to understand a little bit more about the inventory and channels to begin running their media campaigns to deliver that primary KPI for retail marketers that are all listening in here, which is really return on ad spend or return on investment. Yeah, I mean, I, and we should probably tell the listeners, I guess we can put a link to this study in the show notes. Yeah, you can make it available to the people. Absolutely. We'll make sure that the study's uh, available to everyone afterwards, as, as well Perfect. as, you know, Perfect. hopefully hear from some folks around uh, specific cuts with regards to their brands. You know, I'm looking at the one thing, I, I mean, there's lots of things to dig into, but as you said about timing was really interesting. I think you guys did an amazing job. You you've go all the way back to 2016, and you it, it's dramatic when you compare 2016 to 2020, or even practically 2019, right? I mean, if you look at, um, a lot of retailers are looking at their year this year compared to 2019 because 2020 was a bit bonkers right like it was just such an an outlier and you look at the shift between decision making that just arced up like a hockey stick in 2016 towards the end of december and it just dives in 2019 and 2020 like that's been just a huge shift so i guess you're you must be getting calls a lot earlier and having meetings a lot earlier with your retail clients about listen you got to get in the game now way earlier than you know, even a few years ago, right? So that's that's a big call out from the study for sure. Massively. So we, we saw, you know, the increase in that, that timeline that's required is like, we're getting people who are now starting that holiday shopping season or research at least in September, where mm-hmm. historically mm-hmm. it's been a Thanksgiving yeah. and post-Thanksgiving, that yeah. Black Friday kind of time frame. And even yeah. compared to me, at least, those people are well ahead of the game. That requirement is, is there really, Michael, because of the mm-hmm. amount of research that people are now doing. 
historically, you know, people have been a little bit more um, compulsive with regards to their, their shopping habits and, mm. and kind of gone out and not required that lead time. But we're mm. now seeing people are being a little bit more fiscally responsible. They're doing a lot of that due diligence prior to that purchase. And this is giving marketers a good insight into when you need to be talking to them. Because historically, yeah. where you could have waited, you know, now you've got to get in early enough to make sure they're even part of that consideration phase. It's interesting to see Boxing Day in any survey. So I can tell that you were based in, in, in London because that's a, that's a British thing. But it, it, I'm sure you've observed and certainly retailers have observed this shift over the last decade, notwithstanding COVID, where Black Friday and Cyber Monday has shifted this purchase earlier. I remember being in retail Hudson's Bay back in, you know, the, in the 2000s, and, and it was just a mad rush right at, you know, the two weeks before Christmas. But it, it feels like, um, you know, thanks to COVID, I think, you know, that, that's some unusual patterns and people are kind of shopping earlier. I wonder if it's going to start going back the other way at some point, you know, where people, you know, as you said, purchasing right now is very purposeful, right? I, I go online, I look, I probably don't want to linger too, too long in a store, certainly last year, more so this year. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, it feels like over, and it'll be interesting to see. It's not really, a, and you, you sh- at this point you should be asking, is there a question in there, Michael? Um, <laughs> it feels like, it feels like this kind of impulse will come back in some way, shape or another. Anyway, it's just, it, it's great. And again, for the listeners, um, it's a great, uh, and very dramatic chart to put up. You know, the other thing that jumped out at me, uh, one of the great uh, is the general observation, because it's a global study. I mean, I'm looking at data from Germany, Canada, UK, US, China, Australia, India, Singapore. Is It's not a lot. Of, it's actually not very different from country to country. Like there's some differences for sure when you get to, to Singapore and India. But uh, a lot of the countries like the, the changes in consumer behavior mm-hmm. have been remarkably comparable around the world. And, and you as a big you know, global company must see that, right? So when you have discussions with your counterparts around the world, you go, yeah, we're seeing that too, right? COVID definitely leveled a bit of that playing field. Mm. I think where historically we may have seen uh, some differences or nuances. So I always think about our neighbors to the South and the importance of, mm. you know, Black mm-hmm. Friday and, and Cyber Monday and that thanks, that U.S. Thanksgiving period. Um, COVID kind of put us all back on the same page. You know, it it forced us all to be inside. It forced us all to move towards, you know, probably uh, a bit more of a focus on e-commerce. And as a result of that, I think what's we'll see, Michael, the trend that we're seeing at least is the world is never going to go back to the way it was. You know, Mm -hmm. e-commerce is is now here. It needs to be considered. And, you know, every retailer and marketer that I speak to is, is definitely you know, starting to, to think about the evolution of e-commerce because yeah. e-commerce now isn't even what it was, you know, when it started. Um, there, there's, you know, things like live commerce now and, you know, influencer-based commerce. There's just mm. so many different touch points in the space that I, I think what we'll see is the globe now will hit a bit of a reset. And I think you'll see that trajectory of us all kind of being on the same page a little bit more consistent going forward. Let's talk about different advertising uh, or marketing vehicles. So there's a great page, uh, page 24, for anyone who might at this point have the study in front of them. And it lists the different, you know, from print to social to email to word of mouth, TV commercials, shopping platforms, and online advertisements. And it's interesting. I want, and this is where I really want to tap into your, your wisdom. I mean, the marketing mix, right, yes. is, is changing. And um, what I thought was interesting, just to, as a jumping off point, was how, how strong TV commercials were. Like, TV's not dead at all. 
I mean, in some ways, it's comparable to social. Talk about how you think of this marketing mix. And, and uh, I mean, we started the conversation by you saying, you know, these all the different media is being activated and programmatic and very sophisticated. So how do you think of the marketing mix when you talk to your clients and, and what kind of questions are they asking you about it? Yeah, we, we often get that question, like, is, is TV dead? Um, mm-hmm. And, and TV is not dead. It's just, it's changing. It's, it's mm. a natural evolution um, that it is destined to, to go through. And I think the way that we kind of approach the, the media mix it is kind of tearing down the silos so historically, the way, you know, advertising campaigns have looked is you've had an out-of-home component, a radio component, yeah. a TV component, and a digital component. And they've kind of all done their own things. And, you know, whether it is mass or very targeted, um, that never, that doesn't have to be the case anymore. The, the case can be this. is like you can utilize and understand a lot more about your, um, about your television campaign. Uh, and then, you know, you can begin to retarget households that have been exposed to your, your TV campaign. We actually offer a product at MIQ called Advanced Television. And we can actually understand through, um, you know, something called ACR or automated content recognition ads that have been served to a specific household. And in that instance, we may not have to serve an ad to that home or alternatively, we can now like retarget them with, with digital ads. So you can't click on a, on a TV commercial for, um, you know, uh, a new t-shirt, but guess what? If I put the ad in your hand on a mobile device that you're probably utilizing while you're watching that TV spot, all of a sudden we have that, that ability to really kind of cross those, those boundaries and borders. And that is really like the evolution of, of media. It's, it's not about silos anymore. It's tearing down those silos and, just reaching consumers, like we kind of kicked the conversation off, Michael, right. the best time possible. Wow, wow. Like, that's that's incredible, right? So that you, there's a technology that would detect what I'm watching on television or from a sampled group. T- unpack that one just for a yeah. few minutes. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, yeah, it is actually probably, it's, it is the, uh, the fastest growing um, hmm. division of MIQ, but the media landscape in general. And it's called, yeah, it's called ACR. Um, and it helps you detect not from a sample size, uh, but from a chip that lives inside of the hardware that you've got at your, on your TV, um, exactly what content is being streamed. And it's not just being streamed over some of those, um, you know, those connected uh, channels like a Netflix or a prime. Mm. It can also tell you if you're watching, you know, the news at 6 PM or, you know, mm. Bless them. I wish I could say a Jays game at this point. Um, but it, <laughs> no, they it, had a good run. They had a good run. Yeah. You know, tough season. Didn't didn't. You know, it's tough to play in somebody else's stadium for an it entire really season. Is. So. It really, I couldn't help but work it in there. Um, yeah, but yeah. that's what ACR data <laughs> allows you to do. Um, yeah. And we're helping marketers make the most of their their TV budgets through the mm. utilization of this tool. Uh, and it's going to be. I'm telling you right now, Michael. Um, it's going to be the hottest the hottest product that we we work with next year. If you think about um, mm. some stats really quickly, uh, eMarketer just released a report on their digital video saying that there's 27.7 million digital viewers in Canada in 2021. They didn't mm. expect to hit that level for another you know two and a half years until 2024. Mm. And concretely, you know we're seeing a bit of a decline on households that are paying uh, to subscribe to, to TV. Mm. That's hitting the about eight to eight and a half million marker at this point. So as we're getting that, that decline in you know, traditional ways of consuming television, we're just augmenting that space with, with connected TV right now. Mm, so fascinating. Um, when we think about, and, and what occupies many minds today is the, 
difference or trying to begin to understand the difference between a reaction from consumers to unusual times, the COVID era, versus behaviors that are going to stick. You've touched on a couple of them. Is anything in the survey jump out at you as saying, and I think you've mentioned a couple of times we're not going backwards, but some uses I think would ebb and flow and some are just going to be accelerated. You know, as you think about, again, sitting down with your retail clients and saying, listen, as you think about this year, fine, but as we start to think about the year going forward, probably working on some budgets right now for 2022 and beyond. What mm-hmm. what are those kind of markers that say, listen, this isn't going to change. This has been moved forward. It's not going backwards, whether it's technology or user behavior that was accelerated. What what are those kind of key yeah. things that retailers should be paying attention to? Yeah, I think is just embracing the the e-commerce space. It requires a completely different strategy, if, I, if I'm being honest, Michael. If mm-hmm. you're trying to get somebody into a, a brick-and-mortar store, which – we are seeing there will still definitely be, you know, a, a time and place for. Um, you, you need to have a completely different strategy for your e-com versus driving people into store. Um, and then, you know, just the devices in which everything is being consumed. Um, historically, you know, we've always built advertisements for a laptop or a desktop. But understanding the the importance of mobile devices, if you look at some of the emerging markets that are mm-hmm. well ahead of the Canadian trends um, in Asia, in particular, the penetration rates of like mobile devices is so significant that like we just can't help but not pay attention to to what's happening mm-hmm. there and using it as a bit of a crystal ball and saying, listen, marketers, you need to embrace mobile every year. As as marketers, we always say it's the year. Of We've mobile. been saying that for twenty years. Yeah, yeah, twenty years, and it's coming on the the twenty first consecutive. It's going to run longer than the mash before you know it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely something that I think that we just need to take a little bit more mm. of a, an understanding of, and then the impacts of you know consumer privacy, like iOS mm. fifteen, like you know yeah. the way in which you track consumers, and and a lot of that stuff just is going to change. You know, Google announcing cookie lists. Um, mm-hmm. you know, coming probably towards the end of 2022 into and, and how is your industry reacting to all that? Because you're in some ways predicated on just understanding the user through all this data. Is there alternative ways to understand the user? Is that what's what's happening? Give us a open the window on that one a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question, Michael. There's a there's a multitude of ways in which we're doing it. We've been we've been doing it with you know some of our our biggest retail clients. To be honest with you, hmm. is how do we identify some of the offline data sources? that we can utilize to assure that once the deprecation of the cookie happens, once, you know, the iOS stuff kind of begins to, to settle is, do we still have a large enough sample size, which we do right, like right, you, right. Um, to make sure that we're tracking that and, and making sure that we're not missing out on, on anything. The primary focus for us as a, as a business really is to assure that the results that we drive are not required to have cookies or, or you okay. know, uh, app tracking, um, all of that stuff. Everything that we're doing right now foundationally is built on a cookie-less environment with privacy-first compliancy at the forefront. Mm-hmm. But still, primary objective number one is helping our partners you know, move right. their businesses ahead. So all these changes, and for the listeners, when we talk about iOS changes, it's if, if you have an experience, if you're not on iOS, you you now, many, it, it, cha- it provides you a challenge. Would you really like this app to share your data? And everybody's like, I didn't know it was sharing to begin with. So it's 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 pretty uh, important, but it sounds like what you're working on isn't going to pop back the industry to the Stone Age of hope. It's still going to be very data based and very results based. Yeah, yeah, extremely. And if now is the best time to be testing, I, I always mm-hmm. encourage our partners. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've got access to cookies and the ability mm-hmm. to track a lot right now, and that's great. 
Um, but the best time to, to prepare and plan for what's ahead is while we've got access to that still. So when that shift does change, and, and it will come, it's yeah. not this tectonic shift. Hmm. It doesn't need to be a tectonic shift. We need to be doing the work right now to ensure that we're getting ahead of that. And some of the best marketers in the in the world, um, Michael, are doing it right now. We just had a really hmm. great case study uh, that will be available on our website afterwards for the listeners uh, with Dell Technologies about the utilization of uh, cookie-less tactics to ensure that they were selling just as many computers and, and really um, focused on that return on ad spend target that they've got. All right, right on, right on. So last question on budgets and planning and all that stuff for next year. You know, you talk about mobile. Is it a mobile first? Like, where do you start your, if you were sitting in the chair, as you advise CMOs, is it a mobile first, start with mobile, and then spend, build your spend from there? Like, like where do you, if you had a blank sheet of paper in front of you and you had a dollar to spend, sure. is mobile the first place you say, look, build your base from there? Is that what you're advising? Or is it more broad based on mm-hmm. objectives? Yeah, I, I would love to say I've got a definitive mm. answer to that, but I will I will give a very generic answer. And really, to be honest with you, Mike, it depends on the marketer that we right, talk to. Right. Uh, you know, when we when we talk to like some of our our folks, like if awareness levels are really low, like you know mm. it's TV, mm. but like how do we be very concentrated or focused in television? Um, if it's acquisition based, you know, how does your your landing page look? So there's a multitude of things, but I think the the key trend that we need to focus on as an industry really is in the omni-channel space. Um, And again, that's that Mm. tearing down of those silos and making sure that you're considering all of those available channels that are now um, available programmatically and can be executed through digital teams um, and making sure that that's at the the forefront because we can be so much more targeted in the messaging. We can be extraordinarily Mm. targeted in delivering you know, to specific types of consumers. I think that that really needs to be the first piece, you know, for the retailers and, and brands listening out there. I think we call it day zero planning at <laughs> MLT is, right. is like, we want to make sure that before you spend a penny on MMM or anything along those lines, uh, that you've just got a good sense of the data that is available in the space, potentially not to you through first party data, but is accessible through you know, partners like MIQ and other ones in the market that can help you just kind of guide those conversations. All right. So interesting. Well, my guest is Jason Ferlano. The company is MIQ and the study is the pandemic effect, what holiday shopping will look like in 2021. Again, I'll put a link to your, to, uh, the study on your site in the show notes. And it sounds like there's lots of other great information. Where can I find, where should people go? What do we point them to who are listening and may just want to just scurry there right now? Sure. Yeah. Um, the study will be made available at wearemiq.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, alternatively, I'd be happy to get in touch with any of the listeners today. Uh, you can reach out to me directly. My email is jason at miqdigital.com. Shoot me a message on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to connect uh, and make sure that, you know, whether it's the study itself or you'd like to see a very specific cut for your brand or, mm. or retail organization, we'd, uh, we'd be happy to facilitate that. Oh, that's great. And a reminder again to the listeners, there's Canadian data in there and global so you compare and, and uh, listen, it brings a lot of great, uh, great knowledge and wisdom to the market. So Jason, thanks for being my guest on The Voice of Retail's Real Treat, uh, chitting and chatting, talking about everything from programmatic to e-commerce to shopping. So uh, kind of great highlight of, of the depth of uh, your business and, and the fun that we're all having. Uh, so again, can, wish you continued success in, in what you're doing and helping us all figure this out. And, and thanks for joining me. I appreciate you having me, Michael, and to the listeners for, for tuning in. I know it's a hectic time during Q4, uh, but uh, you know, keep your heads up and we'll, we'll all get there together. 
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Voice of Retail. Be sure and follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy podcasts so you don't miss out on the latest episodes, industry news, and insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating review as it really helps us grow so that we continue to get amazing guests onto the show. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company, Inc. And if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn or visit my website at emmyleblanc.co. Until next time, stay safe, have a great week.